0: Hello friends, happy Tuesday. I hope your week is treating you well. Today I am answering a question texted into the podcast phone line about instincts in relationships. Now before we get into a specific question, I just want to take a moment to say thank you for the kind words that have come through on the phone line. I read every single one and I appreciate it so much. I know this is quite the transition, it has been a long journey to get here, but I understand that it was a surprise for you, and I really appreciate you getting it and sending over your kind words. They mean the world to me. Now let's get into today's question. Hello, I'd phone into the podcast question phone line, but I'm currently nap trapped. (laughs) (laughs) With a one year old. I have a question I'm hoping you can shed light on. I'm a nine wing one and my instinctual stacking is sexual, social, and self pres. My husband, I'm fairly certain, is a three, and his instinctual stacking is self pres, social, and sexual. I'm wondering if you have any insights into how instinctual stacking in relationships can show up. I lead with my sexual or intimate instinct and always want to do things together. I am repressed in my self-preservation and feel so incredibly uncomfortable doing things alone, on top of some resentment being a stay-at-home mom and having the majority of the mental load. Hubby is the opposite. He prefers to take tasks done by himself and it's like pulling teeth to get him to work with me on tasks that need more than one person. I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on how instinctual stacking can show up in relationship pairings, specifically when my dominant is there repressed and vice versa. I'm actually really glad that we are having this conversation because we're doing a relationship series right now. And I feel like instincts are such an important part of the conversation, but it's not a part of the series that we're doing. So it's kind of a perfect timing thing. Now, really quickly, I do want to talk about the nine and the three in terms of doing things together or separate. So the three energy here, um, threes, are the kind of people who do not like to be interrupted during a task. And that could also be what's going on with your three not wanting to do like tasks together. They just may have an easier time doing tasks alone and that can be more from their three. Partially because threes don't wanna fail in front of people, partially because threes are so efficiency minded that they find it hard to collaborate. Threes also really like control of the process and that can be hard to collaborate when that's the case. And so for my nine, I, you know, three is obviously your stretch here is to be able to collaborate, be able to work with other people, you know, especially when it comes to like doing things around the house and you need two people to get them done. But two for my nine, I would say build comfort doing things alone, you know, build that out for yourself. That's going to be a really huge growth edge for you that can make change your life. I always encourage nines to get out and do things alone because nines often don't mind being alone, but they tend to do it like at home or in their comfort zones. But nines, one of your greatest needs is learning yourself, knowing what you want, what you need, who you are outside of your relationship. And you're not going to find that within your relationship. You're going to have to find that on your own and it's life-changing. Okay. So I just want to touch on that there. Also, when ter- when it comes to the mental load for our nine, I would say, you know, get comfortable letting your three do things by themselves that you feel are two-person tasks. If they demand to do them alone, you don't have to save them from that. You can let them struggle and not rescue them or, you know, not find yourself in the position where you're the only one taking them on. And when it comes to mental load in general, I cannot recommend the book Fair Play enough. It is the perfect book to read together, to talk through these concepts and to strengthen that part of your relationship. Let's take a quick break from talking about relationships to talking about ways that you could be supported. If you ever feel stuck, lonely, or discontent in your relationships, then I've got some really good news for you. I'm honored to be a main speaker at the upcoming virtual summit, the Enneagram Summit Love and Relationships. I'll be presenting alongside 20 renowned Enneagram experts, such as Susan Stabile, Steph Baron-Hall, Ashton Whitmore-Ober, Crystal Harden, Jackie Brewster, Christy Rowles and Nian Vyong. This is your chance to uncover Enneagram secrets that will take all of your relationships to the next level. The best part is you can join us from the comfort of your home or office on March 5th through 7th. If you join us, you'll discover how your personality shapes all your relationships, identify your partner's stress triggers, improve communication, and enhance emotional and sexual intimacy. You'll learn how to set healthy boundaries, navigate dating, heal from passion past relationships, and gain parenting insights all through the lens of the Enneagram. You guys, there are so many good topics to choose from. You can RSVP and secure your virtual seat for the INEA Summit coming up soon on March 5th through 7th by clicking on the link in the show notes. Don't miss out on this amazing opportunity to join me and an amazing cast of speakers who want to be your guide in helping you take all of your relationships to the next level. The link is in the show notes. Don't miss out. But we're here to talk about instincts, so let's dive into that. Just a quick refresh on instincts. This is, we use the term instincts and subtypes kind of interchangeably, and this is an element of the Enneagram that is going to add a significant amount of complication, that's not the word, complexity to your type. So one seven who has one subtype is going to look different than a seven with a different subtype. We all Enneagram types have all three subtypes, sexual, self-preservation, and social. Now, each of these subtypes, you can have one that's dominant, one that's repressed, and one that is secondary. The repressed is often a really strong growth edge for us, getting comfortable with the thing that we feel the least comfortable with. It can really help us to balance out our growth. So that's often a really good starting place for Enneagram growth is if your sexual is repressed, can you lean into some of those behaviors that can strengthen that social self-pressing? And we'll get into what these look like more in a second. So now the tricky thing here about instincts is that there's conflicting schools of thought on them. So I tend to teach them through the work of Beatrice Chestnut, who teaches them through the work of Claudio Naranjo. However, I also find it interesting to explore the ways of working with them that other schools teach, which the main difference here is that Beatrice Chestnut takes the approach of each subtype interacts with every type and creates a unique explore, a unique expression of that number to where it's almost like t- there's 27 unique types. So a social seven's so different from a self-preservation seven that they're, they're worth noting as distinct characters. Um, Now, other schools of thought tend to think of it more as like a a light flavoring. And they have descriptions for what a sexual subtype is, what a self-preservation is, and what a social is. So they think of sexual subtypes as being like hot, passionate, intense, seeking one-to-one intense connection. Self-preservations tend to think of, you know, run warm, tend to have like cozy vibes. They're focused on their own physical needs. They, they're they kind of more focused on making sure they have their needs met, that they're physically safe. And then the social types are, tend to run cool. They tend to be more focused on where they are in the social hierarchy. They're more focused on like, am I being recognized for my achievements? Where am I? Am I being seen for what I bring here, bring to the table? They're looking for groups that they can belong to. So Those are kind of the two different schools of thought. I don't think they're entirely conflicting personally. I tend to talk about them both and kind of hop back and forth a bit at times. I do think if you're looking for a specific description of what your subtype looks like with your type, I like the descriptions from Beatrice Chestnut the best personally. But I do tend to use the language from the other schools as well. One thing to note about subtypes is that we do tend to be drawn to people with the same subtype. So you might have a group of friends who all connect on that self-preservation place where you like to go out to eat, you like to talk about food, you like to share and create your comforts. Maybe you like to like be home hanging out with your friends in the comfort of your home. We used to have friends who we would like go over there in our sweatpants and order takeout and just watch TV together. You know, that's kind of a very self president hangout social types they're more inclined toward networking events or being out in the world doing things together increasing your visibility in the social hierarchy and then sexual subtypes are they're more inclined to have like really intense one-to-one connections right so you're you're looking at like let's go out for drinks and have a deep conversation let's have deep emotional intimacy with one another let's connect on like a heart-to-heart level So you might find that you are drawn to people with the same subtype as you on kind of an unconscious level. The other thing here is that I'm of the opinion that our subtypes can shift, especially after a major life transition. I believe I was much more social when I was younger. And as I've gotten older, I get more and more self-prez and feel more drawn to self-prez types. Another side of this is that if you listen to my interview on Sex and the Enneagram with Lindsay Frazier and Sam Greenberg, they mention that sometimes you may connect with a partner in the place where you share a subtype. So if you aren't sharing the dominant, and maybe even if your dominant is there repressed, you may find yourself connecting in your secondary if that is shared. And I think of myself primarily social. But self-prez is a very close second, if not tied. And sometimes I think that self-prez could be first because my husband is definitely a sexual four with self-prez second. And I have sexual repressed in mine and he has social repressed in his so, we often connect in that self preservation space of creature comforts and and you know life like little luxuries and having in a cozy and inviting home and I think that is something that I developed within our relationship for the first time before our relationship. I would never go home. I put very little thought into my space where I lived. I would just, like, take furniture off the street, put it in my house. I never had people, like, over to my house. That was never something that I drove. I was always, like, out and about trying to be around other people. And now I'm much more internal, much more homebody. That is new. Now, we could say that developed from our relationship. We could say that developed from going through a divorce. That could develop from aging. I think a large part of that developing was, you know, growing on social media, becoming so visible that it kind of, I had to shift somewhere, you know, I also think that that developed because I, of COVID, you know, that definitely strengthened during COVID and so, I think that's something to think about. Like the subtypes are our instincts. It's how we survive in the world. And so I am inclined to think that those things are more likely to shift and change because what we need to survive changes as we experience things differently or as we enter into new relationships. To survive in our relationship, right, we can we found a common connection point and we built on that, you know, and I think there's things along those lines, Now, that being said, Sam, Lindsay, Valerie Wanamaker, who you've heard on the podcast before, and several others have been studying the Enneagram and sexuality for several years and even created a study to understand the common threads. And through that, they found that subtype affects sexuality even more than type. And if that is true and we know that we tend to be drawn to groups of the same subtype, then it could be worth mentioning that subtype could be more important relationally than your type. Two sexual subtypes together are going to be passionate, fiery. They're going to seek deep intimate connection and intimacy, even if they have different dominant Enneagram types. Similarly, two self-preservation types together are going to be inclined toward getting their needs met, creature comforts, a warm and cozy home environment. Two social types together may be more inclined toward being parts of boards, committees, or going to networking events together. Like we said before, when your dominant is your partner's repressed, as in your case, you again may connect in the meeting place and find that that's where you bond. So you may operate as two self-pres types, two social types, or two sexual types together because that's where you find commonality. Now, the self-pres and social pairing. You may find that the social is more inclined toward being out in the world while the self president is more interested in home life and being cozy. The social type also may be less family-oriented than the self-preservation, and that's something to be conscious of. In the self president sexual combination, you may have different approaches to intimacy and comfort zones. self president types more than any other type are comfortable putting off pleasure for their physical needs, you know, like, okay, I, I'm i tired right now. So like, let's do it later. Sexual are the opposite. They're the most, you know, sex forward, the most seeking of intimacy, the most wanting to connect intimately through sex and connecting their emotions to their sexuality. So that's something to consider. Sex Sexual types are highly passionate and fiery and self pressed types kind of stick into their comfort zones and, and want to stay cozy and comfortable. And that can be a, a place of friction. Similarly, social and sexual. Social energy is up and out, you know, in the world, looking around. How are people seeing me? How am I being perceived? How am I perceiving others? Where am I fitting in here? And sexual energy is much more focused like a laser, you know? So the social may feel like the sexual wants more than they can give emotionally, you know, focus wise. And the sexual may feel like they aren't getting that intimate connection that they crave. And so that's something to keep in mind there. So this is the way that the subtypes can kind of impact our relationships. It sounds like for you specifically, you might meet in that social place and that might be worth mentioning like you sound like you would prefer to be with other people you'd like to not do things alone your three may feel more more inclined toward that than one-to-one connection they may you may be able to meet in that external socialization place now that's not going to take away your desire for deep intimate connection in fact, it's probably good growth work for him to explore the part of him that needs that too. And similarly, it's going to be worth exploring for you the part of you that needs creature comforts, who needs you know, comp- safety, getting your needs met. And it sounds like getting your needs met could be moved up the, your to-do list. <laughs> all right, so I hope this was supportive. I hope that it's helpful and I will see you all Thursday for the next one.